G'day guys, I'm Aaron Schultz with episode 182 of the Outback Mind podcast. Thank you very, very much for joining in once again. Now I have a bit of a cold or something going on, so I apologise for the deep voice, but uh, anyway, we'll, uh, we'll push through it. Um, now today, got a really special guest on from Tasmania, Ben Crowley. Ben started an organization called Bioflex Nutrition years ago, now Bulk Nutrients. Um, ben has got an amazing story, he just created this out of nothing. And uh, you know, some of the best protein supplements and supplements in the world now come from Tasmania, he ships them all over the place. So he's gone from a a one-man band into sort of 80 or 90 staff now, and I want uh, people to listen to Ben's story because I think there's lots that we can learn uh, from him about how to live our passion and follow our dream. You know, he did it with not a lot of support, but um, it just sort of goes to show you can do anything if you really put your mind and your heart to it, more importantly, your heart. If your heart's in it, then the results will come, and um, we're going to talk a bit about that, talk a bit about protein, what the protein does for our bodies, uh, the uh, benefits of that and every uh, everything else around it um, while we sort of need potentially some supplements in our life we're not getting the uh, nutrition um, uptake that we that we need in our bodies and the lifestyles that we're in at the moment so I'm really sure you're going to enjoy this chat just want to make special mention to the real shift who support the podcast so if you're looking to change something in your life they have a nine-week deep dive program uh, Mick and Amy Stooth have uh, got a new intake coming up later this month or early next month so they're taking some people through a nine-week journey to be able to overcome habits, uh, improve their lives, shift things that are blocking them from being um, their true self and, and reaching their potential. So definitely a worth, uh, worth the investment. It's only around $1,000, I think. And if you mention the Outback Mind podcast, you get a 10% discount. So it's a really good investment in yourself, you know, to be able to make changes and have some structure in your life. I think it's important. And nine weeks is a great um term to be able to do that so uh you know six weeks to change your habit nine weeks will get you on your journey where you're not going to go back to your old ways again so really encourage you to check out the website uh therealshift.com if you go the full uh, sorry therealshift.com forward slash deep dive you'll see uh the program there and um yeah ask any questions away uh, to the guys they're really helpful so i hope you enjoyed this chat with uh, ben and i uh please um, email me to support at outbackmind.com.au G'day Ben. Oh, good day, Aaron. How are you doing? Very well, mate. Very, uh, very pleased to have you on for a chat. It's probably been a long time since I uh, saw you last down there, but I've just been uh, really impressed, or, or not so much impressed, but just intrigued. Look, how the business has sort of developed and grown, and all that sort of stuff, mate. So uh, you're doing something really, really wonderful, and, and right there, and helping a lot of people, and uh, mate, I'd, I'd love to to hear a bit about your own journey, like sort of growing up and, and all that type of thing and sort of leading into work life and where that took you. Yeah, no worries. No, happy, to, happy to talk about that. That'll be great. <laughs> no worries, mate. Go for it. Oh, so, um, well, look, I, in terms of growing up, um, I'm a, from a family of five, sorry, five children and mum and dad. Um, I was born in um, Sydney, actually, down in Tassie, so mm. sort of country part of... Sorry, mate, that's just noticing this is um, I'm hearing a bit of feedback and stuff. Right, okay. Hopefully that, uh, that'll sort itself out now. Sorry, go ahead. Quite a bit of reverberation. Sorry, so I was born down at Signet, um, mum and dad and then five of us kids. We're all pretty close in order. 
I think they had about five kids all under sort of um, eight or nine at once. Mm. Um, and we, we were pretty adventurous kids. You know, we were, we were sort of always, you know, walking around ourselves at a young age. And we had 60 acres where we were and we'd sort of taken ourselves for walks on beaches and things and through the paddocks and um, certainly very different to kids growing up today, you know, that are kind of uh, wrapped up in cotton wool by comparison. Mm, amazing, mate. What did your parents do? So my dad was a teacher and my mum was, she she didn't work when we were all quite young, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and she sort of looked after us as kids, but I, I think life was actually very tough for her because mum and dad had both moved from Sydney where they had all their extended family on both sides. Um, they'd moved down to Tasmania and uh, when they decided to have kids, they moved down to Signet um, and they're on 60 acres, which is an absolutely beautiful property, but um, mm. very isolating. And, yeah, the, the roads probably weren't quite as good, you know, over 40 years ago. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was, I think it was a bit of a challenge for my mum particularly, you know, being away from all of her family. Qu- quite a young mum too. She got married at 18, I think the first child in her early 20s. Yeah, right. So, but by, by 30, here she was with uh, five kids, you know, all under nine, um, by herself and husband at work. <laughs> Unreal. Incredible, mate. Yeah. How, were you, were uh, you, are you the oldest or? No, I'm, I'm actually the second youngest. So right. I've got an older sister um, and then two older brothers, then myself and then a younger sister. Yeah, incredible, mate. So, yeah, you're right. Like, you think about that now, how many... Mothers would have five kids under the age of, or like basically under 30. Like it's just unheard of. Yeah, absolutely. And also um, having absolutely no family support, you yeah. know. So, yeah, completely removed from cousins, you know, parents, that kind of thing. Yep. Um, and and then, you know, living on a 60-acre property where every time, even to go to the shops, you know, would be at least sort of a 15-minute drive. You know? Yeah, so, yeah. Tell yeah. me, mate, um, yeah. what... Um, what basically inspired your dad to, to live all the way down there and where was your mum from were, were her family in Hobart or no so sorry so both mum and dad's family were all from Sydney because they they did move down from Sydney yeah. I think they moved to Pontville first then they moved to Ferntree then they moved down to Sydney <laughs> right yeah but um yeah I think I don't know I think coming from Sydney he loved the idea of uh, this is all waterfront land too actually well quite spoiled but obviously back then land was not expensive in Tasmania yes um, and I think that the idea of living, you know, within, let's say, an, an hour or 45 minutes or what it was from the city on 60 acres of waterfront land, you know, if you were coming from Sydney, that would be a pretty amazing thing. So mm. <laughs> he's, he's the kind of guy that um, gets excited by stuff on paper, you know, um, rather than maybe when, when you face the reality, it's a little bit different. <laughs> oh, incredibly, mate. Are your mum and dad still down there? No. So, look, they've, they've, oh, they're back in Tassie now. But they um, spent many years in Tasmania, obviously growing, growing up and, you know, bringing up the kids. Mm. Um, after oh, probably about 15, 20 years ago, they went to Mount Isa to work, um, spent some time working there before retirement, and then went to Townsville, um, then moved to Port Macquarie, and have finally moved down to Hobart, where I think they'll, they'll basically stay till their, their day's end. Incredible, mate. So it'd be good to have them back with you again, I would have thought. And... Uh... Yeah, mate. Uh, what so? What happened with you? You went to school, public school system, and, and so forth as a young fellow. I did. Yeah, yeah. So I went to um, well, when I was about four or five, we actually moved up to Howden, which is um, uh, you know, just a, a southern municipality in in Hobart. Uh, much 
much more sort of a, a suburban feel, I suppose, even though we had we had five acres. Mm. Uh, I went to a little primary school called Margate Primary, and then I got sent to Taruna High, which wasn't actually my feeder school. My feeder school was Kingston, but my parents sent me to Taruna because I think they, they thought my group of friends was a bit rough, and, yeah, they wanted me to go to a different school. <laughs> mm, mm, incredible, mate. <laughs> when I look back I think that I was probably one of the rough kids that needed to be taken away from the other kids to be honest yeah. so you played up a bit as a young fella yeah yeah look one thing that's probably interesting and worth talking about is that when you're from a family of boys and you're all similar in age you you know you, depending on, on the dynamic of your household look, we, we all loved each other a lot but mum and dad were pretty loose and so we used to fight a lot you know and <laughs> We, 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 of course, obviously, we loved each other, but we did used to fight a lot. And so if I ever used to fight at school, you know, I, I was not a big kid, that's for sure. But I used to fight pretty hard because I'm used to fighting older brothers all the time. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> shit, unreal. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely got in trouble a, a bit as a kid um, and, and was in the headmaster's office a reasonable amount of times. Mm. Um, but... Yeah, I, I certainly, as I got older and into high school, I think I developed a much sort of more calm and thoughtful disposition, I suppose. How did your old man relate to that being a school teacher? <clears throat> yeah, good, good question. Um, look, by the time he was, by the time I got a bit older, he'd, he'd stopped being a teacher and then got into, into psychology instead. Mm-hmm. Um, that was just a real turning point for us because before then he was a really close parent mm. um, and then he decided to go and do a PhD. And obviously when you've got, the parents who's um, teaching and working during school hours, you know, they, they spend a lot of time with the kids. Um, I can't tell you how old I was at that stage, but I reckon I was sort of maybe about grade four or so. Um, and that's when he, he decided to get into that and, yeah, had, had far less time with, with me and the kids and that was probably when we started to go a bit more astray, I suppose. Yeah, and, and full yeah. credit to your mum for staying with him through all that, mate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I reckon if you look back, she'd, she'd say, oh, she, she probably wouldn't have felt she had any other options. But, uh, you know, they're still together today, so I think they're a, they're a good example of people that, you know, communicate and despite their differences, you know, get, get through things and, and try and see the positives in each other. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Well said, yeah. mate. Well, well said. Tell me, um, so post-school, actually, were you into fitness at school or was that something that came later on? Look, I, I was quite a bit, but... In younger school, I played a lot of soccer, but as I got older, you know, sort of grade eight, nine, ah, yeah, I was definitely not as interested in school as I would have been, and by the time I was in college, I was missing a lot of class, and, you know, probably the closest thing to sport at that stage was, you know, wagging school and going surfing with friends. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But no, I did did a bit of boxing as I got a bit older too, and I I liked that a lot. Never never too serious with it, but I I really enjoyed that. Mm. Um, But... I was a bit of an outsider, so I'd say that, um, you know, sort of um, group sports, AFL and soccer and things like that that I played as a kid, mm-hmm. um, I wasn't nearly as interested in. Yeah, as you get so, older, yeah. No, no, yeah. I, I, I think boxing is probably ideal for you. Like, yeah, it's a great, great way just to, to use your body and help your mind settle down too, but just if you've had a bit of that, uh, that anxiety coming through, it's a great way to be able to sort of manage that. Yeah, yeah, and... I think there's a, the camaraderie that you get. Look, obviously, you get this from team sports too, but you know, the camaraderie you get in the boxing gyms is interesting. We, I, I was lucky enough to train with some 
some really good boxers. So that these guys were sort of multiple time Australian champions, and mm. it was interesting the disposition of them because some there was maybe one or two guys there, and they were happy to beat the shit out of you, you know. But um, the, most of the guys there were very respectful, you know. They were they were older and a lot better, but they'd, they'd sort of box to your level and try and. I guess try and uh, you know try, try and teach you and try and be good mentors, and it was really it's really nice when you're training with people like that. And you know they're much more capable, but they understand their sense of responsibility, and you know they're, they're trying to make you a better athlete rather than you know um, I guess massage their ego by beating up some young kid. Um, yeah, that's right, absolutely, mate. It's a great self, great form of self discipline, and um, uh, yeah, it's just. It uh, can be a real turning point for a young fella if they've got sort of some agitation or whatever, just to be able to utilise the the bag just to, to to sort of settle the emotions down too, I think. But even if you aren't going yep. through stuff, I think boxing's just such, such a great leveller. Yeah, absolutely. Yep, yep. So, something else I'll note too, though, Chris, probably the biggest thing that made a difference to me when I was young, and I think this was the difference between... I had quite a few friends who were on a sort of a path to nothingness, I suppose, and... Um, you know, lots, lots of lots of drugs, lots of alcohol, and, and sort of never really got out of that. Um, but I, I got a job at McDonald's when I was fifteen, so I was going to school and working part time. And I think having that in my life at that stage was really, really important. Even though I, I wasn't the best student at the end of high school, and also wasn't the best student in college, mm. I think having having that job where I had to you know turn up on time, rely on myself, you know, get myself to work most of the time. You know, build the relationships there was probably the, the I think the biggest difference between myself and peers and the thing that probably prevented me from getting, you know, too far out of control. Mm, well said, mate. I remember my, my, my story at that age was hard to get a job doing anything like that. So certainly, uh, yep. yeah, having that structure, I think, is really important for a young fellow. Yeah. I think especially if you're, if you're prone to sort of, you know, getting a bit out of control. Like I was a sort of a, an excitable... Um, young person looking for a lot of action all the time, you know. Um, I was sort of going out drinking and stuff, you know, well before I was 18. And uh, I think if you've got a couple of things in life, you know, whether it's good mentors or or, or a job or sports that, that um, create a reason for you not to get too out of control, then it can it can really sort of be that leveler that uh, gives you a bit of balance, I suppose, and, and otherwise situation which some people don't have. For sure, mate. So. So what happened from there? Did they offer you like a manager's job or did you go off and do something else? No, look, at about, as college was finishing, I think I said to myself, look, this is fine, has been fine as a part-time job, but I don't want to be doing this for the rest of my life. <laughs> um, then I started, look, I don't know if I did much for a couple of years, to be honest. It was, yeah, a bit, when I look back, you know, I was definitely quite aimless. Um, I, I ended up studying as a P, to be a PT because I was right in the health and fitness by then, so that was still doing a bit of boxing but going to the gym a lot. Mm. Um, but I was also, um, yeah, I think I worked in a couple of fish factories and places like that. And again, I, I, I did really enjoy those jobs, though, because the, the jobs themselves were quite tough. But mm. The idea of, you know, earning your own money and, and um, you know, certainly from being unemployed beforehand and... Being able to have a sort of a sense of purpose in your life and, and, and sort of set yourself some goals, um, I, I just found sort of really important again. Mm. Um, and I, uh, I just think that the, the moment which shifted for me, um, it was basically when I decided to do this teacher training um, so I could become an English as a second language teacher. Mm. And I would have been about 23, no, about 
22, 23 then. Um, in, the, in the prime of our life, in terms of going out, partying, you know, lots and lots of dance music parties, which were big in Tasmania at the time. Um, yeah, like often a couple of times a week. Um, but yeah, apart from working and, and then doing a bit of that study, wasn't doing a lot else. Um, but I decided to learn to be an English teacher because I had this idea of going over to Mexico and teaching. Mm. And uh, what was strange there is that never eventuated. I and instead I ended up in Japan, in Tokyo, because I met a met a fellow online um, on a boxing forum. Funnily enough, who said, "Hey, look, I'm over in Japan. You know, this is an amazing place for, for young Australians. You learn a whole lot more money. You know, why don't you come over?" And I, I didn't actually know anyone in Mexico that's quite wanting to go there. And I sort of, you know, just did a few numbers and looked at the situation and thought, "Ah, oh, look, what, why the hell not? He's offered me a place to stay." So. I'll go to Japan instead. Mm. How amazing, mate. Well, how was that for you? Sorry? How was that for you? Oh, look, it was, it, it was amazing. Like, I, I look back at that year of my life and it was... Uh, look, I guess it depends on what kind of person you are, but I'm, I think I'm a person who thrives best when, when there's a challenge in front of you and, and you have to sort of jump out of your comfort zone. Even if you don't necessarily choose to, you know, even if that the width of that comfort zone, or sorry, the, the that new challenge is much greater than you expected. Mm. Um, I I kind of didn't know what to expect, but I had, hadn't learned any Japanese, and I flew, never been out of Australia before. You know, worked out my visa, jumped on a plane, <laughs> didn't have a job because he said, don't worry, mate, just come over here with your, you know, your English qualification and I'll get you a job really quickly. But it was actually very, very funny when I, when I went to find this guy's house because uh, I'd spoken to him online, you know, I'd seen a photo of him, never spoken to him on the phone and I was walking around this neighbourhood and the directions I had were not quite right and I was about sort of, I don't know, three, four hours off the plane, and I started thinking, you know, maybe this guy doesn't live in Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> yeah, but maybe he's had me on all the time, you know? Um, Unbelievable. But, no, it ended up finding him, and, and uh, yeah, I can, I can talk more about what I liked about Japan, but that, that year in Japan was just an, an amazing, like, um, transformative experience for me, I suppose. And you got work pretty easily? Look, really easily, yeah, yeah. But one of the things I didn't anticipate is in Japan you get paid monthly mm-hmm. and I think you, you start the job, you work a full month and then you get paid at the end of the next month. Oh, shit. So <laughs> I can't remember how much I saved. Clearly wasn't enough. Maybe it was two or 3000 mm. Um But, yeah, I think about a month or so, you know, I was starting to borrow money and had, you know, family selling stuff at home for me and... Took me took me another good couple of months after that to sort of get back to square one. Mm. Um, but the, the cost of living in Japan and, and that funny system with you know the delayed payment from work and it being spaced out so much definitely hurt at first. For sure, mate. So so after that year, you, you come yep. back to Australia. What what did you do then? Well, that that year, as I said, it was really really transformative for me because. Um, it, you know, being a foreigner in Japan, it was definitely a, a great time to be there. You know, I built up a lot of lot of good friendships, and it was the first time in my life I'd been properly independent. Um, because even when you're living, you know, and you're sort of 
local city or whatever, you tend to lean, well, at that age at least, you tend to lean on family and friends quite a bit. And, and I, I don't know, I think I, I felt really empowered by having no one around me and kind of going, look, you know, if this is, if this is tough, you know, then, then this is no problem. You know, I can conquer this reasonably easily. You know, I can navigate around and, you know, speak to people in a different language and get lost on trains and end up in suburbs where I've got no idea where the hell I am. You know, I'm doing right. So I think I, I gained a lot of confidence over there and that's actually when I came up with the idea of bulk nutrient mm-hmm. Biofix. So how yeah. old were you then? Uh, about 24. That was when I was 24. And the, the inspiration of the business, I was still very much in the health and fitness, going to the gym a lot. Uh, but it was seeing the price disparity between what Americans paid for supplements because mm-hmm. I started buying a lot of supplements online from America through Japan. And then I knew the same prices that these products were for sale for in Australia. Mm. And I thought, wow, you know, someone's making quite a bit of money here. But what, what's going on? You know, why is the system in Australia, I guess, so backwards? You know, there's, there's no such thing as e-commerce, really, certainly not in the supplement space. And is, is there an opportunity to, to do something? Mm. Mate, that's so gutsy for a 24-year-old. For, for <laughs> someone that didn't have a great academic background, mind you, either, you know? No, that's right. Yeah, yeah, look, I'd, I'd spent very much into research. So, you know, I'd um, spent a lot of time researching, you know, the, the details, I guess, of exercise science and also, I guess, biology and um, went into my personal training um, certification. But I'd always had a keen interest in, you know, why certain things do what they do, and, you know, what the use of sort of supplements, I guess, the food and the energy systems in the body and whatever else. So I was always sort of, I guess, analytically minded. Um, but, yeah, and I've... A numbers person too so i think that when i started putting the spreadsheets together and doing some costs and uh you know imagining a whole lot of scenarios um yeah things, things look pretty good but i probably the thing that benefited me most is that that naivety in in maybe not knowing how big the challenge was um and and not having a business background because i think while having a business background is great um, often if you've got everything laid up in front of you, you might go, oh, that, that's a bit complicated and that's a bit difficult. <laughs> mm, oh, for sure. Absolutely, mate. Jeez. No, yeah. So, so yeah, it was, it was a risk, but I think you were buoyed by the, um, by the, uh, the opportunity and that sort of drove you to, uh, to do something? Look, it, it did. And I was also um, spending a lot of time communicating on message forums and I... While I, I realised there was obviously money to be made, um, I was quite excited about the idea of realising that the what was needed in the market and where the hole was um, was at, at the end that I could fill. You know, I, I, I didn't when I came into and looked at the market, it wasn't a case of going, you know, someone needs to, to offer a product with more frills, you know, and more hype and a higher cost per serve. Mm. Um, because our market in Australia was dominated by American product, mm. um, I became aware very quickly that most Australian consumers, or at least, sorry, a decent number of them, the more sort of hardcore um, bodybuilder athletes, they wanted a simple product. They wanted something that was very pure. Mm. Um, they didn't want a whole lot of hype and pizzazz, you know, in the, in the marketing message. Yes. And I thought, well, that's, that absolutely matches my values. You know, I, I like to, you know, consider myself a bit of a no BS person. Mm-hmm. And I thought, look, we can put a product, many products together like this, and there's an opportunity to do so economically. Mm. So, um, you know, here's, here's my market. They're not being serviced. Mm. Unbelievable, mate. I'm, I'm just thinking back, like, when, when, when all the razzmatazz was taken away, 
uh, from Body Science and all them. All I wanted yep. was clean products, like clean protein powder, yep. dextrose, yep. and creatine. That's all. I, that's all I needed, you know. For yep. for, for yep. me yep. personally, that that worked really well. But I didn't. I didn't want to buy something with a girl or a bloke on it with muscles and you know. But, yep. but by by reading the uh, the ingredients, it was full of rubbish. Yep. Yep. I, I was unaware of it. I, I do think that um, before social media, uh, message forums were, were big. And if it wasn't for message forums, I don't think I would have ever been able to uh, start the business. So a message forum, you know, it might be, you know, an interest, it might be cars, it might be bushwalking, it might be, you know, hang gliding. Um, in my case, it was bodybuilding. Mm. But it, was, it gave me an ability to talk openly with a lot of people. And, and these are the same gurus, you know, that would be the big guys in the gym that, you know, very proud of the knowledge they have and love to share it around. But, mm. you know, we'd, we'd talk you know, very detailed back and forth about, you know, what products use, what ingredients and what the important parts were. And effectively, I had an army of these people kind of on my side um, because I know what product they wanted. And... You know, I know they could see through all of that. And look, my values very much lined up with theirs. Uh, so I, I had to have a captive market, I suppose. Mm. No. Incredible, mate. So, so tell me, like, how did it start? Like, did you just get a shed and think I'm gonna I'm gonna get some stuff in and I'm gonna mix it up and then I'm gonna package it and I'm gonna put it out in the market? Was it like really daunting for you to uh, to sort of you know present yourself in this space? Um, look, that is what happened, yeah, but I didn't find it too daunting. Um, but we, we had a couple of, well, I had one major fail, which, which did put me way backwards that I managed to recover from, uh, but I was down and done for a few months about it. Basically, I um, talked to a protein supplier overseas, um, organised some sort of some flavouring and other stuff. Um, I don't even think I got into amino acids that day, so creatine and, and glutamine and that kind of stuff. Now... Mm. Incidentally, the margins on those were much, much higher at the time. Mm. Um, and the margins on those products traditionally has always been higher, but I wasn't even thinking about those products at first. It was the whey protein. Um, I'd worked out a packaging supplier and you know, talked to someone about a sort of a website and I'd worked on some iterations of that and had some labels and stuff worked out. And that, that tech side is probably the only side I had um, some real support with because I was quite weak there, but everything else. Um, you know, I was sort of a DIYer. Mm -hmm. um, a friend and I made a mixing machine and a big stainless steel drum and an old washing machine motor. And, uh, yeah, prided myself on, on that working really well. I think it cost me about maybe about $1,200 at the time to make with some second-hand parts and some new stainless steel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, mate, anything's possible in the Hewan Valley. <laughs> That's, well, actually, at that stage, I was, I was living in Newtown. So oh. I, I was renting a flat from my mum and dad and we actually, um, we decked out two rooms at the back and had it all approved by, um, by the health department, which was great. So I, I wasn't really one for sticking to rules, but um, I, I did stick to that rule, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, actually had, had the health department come along and yep, give me the tick of approval and make sure everything was fit for purpose. Um, but look, this is about the time my first disaster struck. Um, so I'd ordered, I think I saved about eight or $9,000 from Japan and that, that seemed pretty good to me because I've certainly never had that much money before in my life. Well, maybe, maybe when I was working for peak before I bought my car, I did. Mm. Um, but I spent that on a whey protein order in America and I never laid my hands on it. So it was probably taken to the tip by, by Quarantine Australia many, many months after it arrived. 
Um, but I, I later found out after I imported the product that there's all kinds of documentation that you need, you know, um, dairy certificates, veterinary certificates, and the company that sold it to me should never have sold it to me, but obviously, look, the obligation was on mine to, to realise that. Um, I'd been importing, you know, small amounts, and then when I tried to do a big parcel, um, yeah, it got stopped, and because I, I couldn't come up with the correct documentation, mm. um, months later they would have taken the tip. So my, my whole dream as a business and all my savings, despite doing all this work, was just, you know, it just kind of gone. Jeez, <laughs> mm, mate, what, what did you do? Oh, look, I think there's probably about two or three months where I just sort of spent a long time or that much time being quite miserable and sort of, you know, getting angry with the world. <laughs> you spent a fair Yeah, look, <laughs> I, I think by that stage I got a job with the health department, which was this perfect job, working with troubled kids, funnily enough, um, looking after kids who couldn't be placed in normal foster care or had come out of youth detention. Mm. Um, and that was perfect for building the business because I'd worked there for sort of one or two or three days a week. But when, when I say work there for, for those days, you'd literally st- stay in the house or with the kid for 24, 48 or 72 hours. So that effectively allowed me to earn a decent amount of money while still having a lot of time spare to build the business. Yes. So um, I, I did that, um, saved up some more money, and I think I could vary my hours there quite a bit. And I thought, no, no, I'm not, I'm not going to let this set me back. Um, saved up some more money, bought some more product, um, and then, yeah, obviously I started mixing stuff in my mixing machine, put my recipes together, did a lot of experimentation, uh, and then, yeah, probably about that stage I started getting into the importing the creatine and, and glutamine, which were our first you know, raw amino acids, mm. and that's when I sort of started going to market and selling privately and, and basically trying to build the brand. What year was that? Um, that was probably about 2005, 2006. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I remember yep. that. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, yep. No, I sort of come across it probably 2009, I reckon, and sort of... Yep. Yeah, and then sort of moved, yep. moved through and I'd seen it evolve. Yep. Tell me, what did you do uh, from there? Did you, did you sort of expand? Did the business go quite well once you started to get out there? Well, this, this is what's interesting too, because uh, not so much initially, so... I probably worked a good sort of two to three years. We, we moved to a place called Sandfly. Um, so my wife and I, well, I met my wife during that time and she was probably wondering what the hell I was doing with that business. But, you know, um, she was she was quite supportive. Um, we, we bought a house together in the country. When I say in the country, it's sort of the, the other side of Hobart from where I was living, um, but still only about, you know, 25 minutes from Hobart. Um, that property had 20 acres and we started getting a whole lot of animals. We had some chickens and a goat, miniature pony and lots of stuff, <laughs> as, as you do before you build a family. But look, there was a, um, a shed on this property. When I say a shed, it was quite a nice building. And then I then spent quite a few months renovating that and again to as, as the base of the business. Now, um, it was only 50 square metres to start with, but then I added an extra 50 on. So I had 100 square metres of space um, and I transformed the business to there and quite quickly but it was the back then it was still bioflex so the the parent company is called bioflex Mm -hmm. um, and it was at a it was about a year or two after that point of living there um that that i started the bulk nutrients brand and that's when things really changed Mm. so mate i was intrigued by that so so bulk nutrients was the 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 
the pure and simple product. Is that right? Is that yep. how you did it? Yeah. Yep. It, it is. Look, even though that was that was my goal straight away, I mean, Biofix was still quite a simple brand, but the main sales avenue at that stage was, was still always viewed as a retail outlet. Now, what, what I noticed at the time was there were other people doing similar things, a few other people doing similar things interstate, and they were focusing on the online push a little bit more, and they were, they were edging me out for pricing a little bit, and I found it frustrating because, on one hand, I had to keep a margin in place for the retailer, so I couldn't sell that same product to an individual customer any cheaper. Mm. Um, I also started getting a lot of, just a lot of challenges with retailers. So whilst it was clear customers wanted my product, uh, they'd be very open about that, you know, where can I buy it from, etc. cetera. Um, back then, e-commerce wasn't particularly big, um, so I'd be sort of delivering orders to people, doing cash sales, all that kind of thing. Um, I remember one guy placed about a $500 order and, and it seemed huge at the time. I remember thinking, wow, you know, this is like, it's a week's worth of sales in, in, in one order. <laughs> <laughs> it, um, now, this, this, um, the resistance from the retailers really helped. It's an example of when a, a curse, I suppose, becomes a blessing because it was at that stage that I looked and said, okay, I still want to sell into these channels. There's a lot of resistance. You know, they, they have contracts set up with major suppliers. They like the convenience of having multiple brands from one distributor. Um, they're sceptical of this, you know, young guy with this new brand. Mm. Uh, so I thought, okay, well, why don't I start this other brand, which I can push directly to, to these customers, which is, you know, the, the people online, the people through the message forums, mm. and I can be super sharp with my pricing. And Biofix, I can, you know, remain with the retailers. Um, yeah. And that way I'm, I'm sort of pushing in two different directions. And whichever one thrives is the one that I'm going to, to push more. Mm. Very smart, um, absolutely. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you're right. You, you sort of hit it at the right time when the online thing started to take off, I suppose. Look, I think it was only about three or four months after I started Bulk Nutrient. And Bioflex had been going for oh, probably about three or four years. Um, and it just completely overtook it. I remember walking down from my house to my shed looking at all my invoices and counting up about, oh, I was probably about $2,000 worth of sales, you know, that, that I printed out and I had to pack away. And I was like, oh, I don't think I need my job anymore. <laughs> and I, think, I think I'll be right with this. <laughs> Which was, yeah, pre- pretty exciting. Now, I, I had a part-time staff member by then anyway. I was quite thoughtful about keeping my job for as long as I could in case, you know, business wasn't great and it still allowed me to pour money into the business. Um, but yeah, not long after establishing and launching Bulk Nutrients, that was probably more like 2007, 2008, mm. um, things, things started, yeah, I guess, getting big um, very quickly. Mm, incredible, mate. So tell me, um, like, like you, were, you were just marketing yourself online, like just throughout Australia, or did you go overseas with this as well? No, look, just, just throughout Australia. So I, I set up my own Google ClickAd accounts and worked on all the, the advertising there that various ad sets I had, which it wasn't very sophisticated back then. Um, I'd do that and mix up the products and the only staff I had, we'd, we'd sort of mix up the products together and then work on the dispatch and very basic systems. Uh, I think we were, we were sort of handwriting all the orders to start with and before we went to any kind of automation. But it was, yeah, certainly just domestic market, not, nothing overseas. Mm. Incredible. So, so 
you uh, you went from that like obviously it, it sort of grew pretty rapidly. When did you get the um, the the shed down at Grove? That was 2011. So we, we were expanding very very quickly and living in Sandfire, which is between you know your, your viewers might have to look this up, but between Hewenville and Kingston, um, I was always looking north for property. And I was looking at blocks of land and, and stuff came up. And in fact, I actually did buy a block of land, but um, the business was accelerating so quickly. I think I had six or seven people working out of that little shed. Jeez. You know, the, the neighbours just thought it was madness. You know, the, the amount of product I was pumping out of there, and the Australia Post guy, you know, he, he started complaining because he had to come with an empty van, you know. He couldn't, <laughs> he couldn't come at the end of his day and pick up six parcels. You know, he was coming and picking up. 30, 40, 50 parcels every, every day. Um, and I'd have this, this little shed, you know, uh, I'd have people, my staff turning up to. Um, but I was looking north for, for land and that's when I realised, I thought, I'm running out of time. You know, I need something sooner. And I just so happened that these absolutely massive but very cheap um, cool stores were for sale <laughs> yeah. in the human valley. <laughs> <laughs> And that, that's, yeah, mate, so, so so you've got this beautiful old shed down there that I've been to, yep. and um, I was amazed at what I saw in there, what you were doing, but um, so so how did it evolve for you, like, like eight or ten of you went in there and then you started to even grow further? Look, exactly, yeah, so we went in there with about eight staff, and when we went in there, it was just a, this, this massive empty shed. Um, we, we decked out one room to a high enough standard and, and again, had the health department through again, uh, which, which was actually the local council. Um, they, were, that, they were great. They were very supportive. Um, but we had way more room than we needed. So we probably needed, you know, um, 100 square metres of, of production and storage and then maybe another couple of hundred for, for raw goods. And we had about 2,200. So we, as we just got bigger and bigger, um, we just fit out more of the rooms We'd have to, we used to cut out all the, the old refrigeration equipment and sc- scrape the spray foam off the walls and line the oak walls with um, some plastic material I got. Um, but, you know, everything was hands-on. Like, I was involved in every job. You know, I, I literally had to shovel myself, scraping the foam off the walls, as did, you know, any families that worked for me. Mm. Um, certainly no one that worked there uh, was too good for any job, that's for sure. Mm. Incredible. And a lot of the people that you're working, that you had working with you, have they been lifelong friends or just people that you'd met along the way? No, look, um, a little bit of both. Uh, I had a, a few family members working for me at this stage, but it was generally people who I'd met through those, those bodybuilding connections. So a, a young guy that was right into bodybuilding, um, then a couple of friends of his um, and some others. Um, and, yeah, it was, it was generally people that I'd met over the last sort of three or four years. Um, it was funny, one guy that worked for me in, in the, the sand flight, um, he took a bit of a leap of faith because he had quite a, you know, a, a relatively senior job, I suppose, at Telstra in the call centre. And I remember, it must have been a moment of madness. You know, he, he loved his company, he used to buy a lot of products from us, and I offered him a job. And it was, it was just at the time when the, our packers and, and people that printed off the orders, and I guess customer service people, you'd say, um, didn't actually have to mix the product anymore. You know, I think that when we were up to about sort of eight, sorry, six or seven people, we could separate the crews. You know, these guys will be making the product, these guys will be sending it out and fulfilling the orders. Mm. And so he he was quite lucky in that when he came, he didn't have to do much production. Um, 
And yeah, but he, he took the leap, leap of faith from you know a very cushy job that had, I think, uh, fair to say, quite a um, bit of career progression in front of us, mm. of, of him. And uh, yeah, he decided to come and work for us, which was great. Is he still with you now? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and he's uh, he manages our customer service team. With look, the amount of staff that we've got that have been there. Uh, I was just sitting down with Scott Rock, who is the the um, coach of the year of the NBL mm. with the Jack Jumpers. Um, mm. who's our basketball team. So I was just sitting down with him and our management team, and it was really nice going around the room saying, you know, James has been with us for seven years, Luke's been with us for 10, Jess has been with us for 10, Jared's been with us for eight. You know, I'm talking about our different managers and which department they're in or, or which department they're managing. And um, we, we have a lot of staff that have been with us for a long time, you know, so it's um, very proud of that, and it's, it's really nice to have grown the business, you know, with, with them. And good on you, mate, because I always talk about businesses being transformational rather than transactional. You know, if you, you've got a great environment and a safe environment for people, they feel loyal and uh, loved, then um, yep. then uh, certainly, you know, you're going to keep it. People don't want to go anywhere else. So you're, you're doing something really right. Yep. Look, I, I worked some pretty bad jobs too. Like, I, I think I had a particularly bad boss. And when I look back... Um, I, very interesting about this guy. He was—he he seemed deeply unhappy, and he—and he seemed sort of very angry and um, revengeful with the world. I remember one of the first things he said to me was, "He said I'm employing employing you because 90% of people in this world are dickheads." But <laughs> it didn't alarm me too much at the time. Now, this is what's probably the the most odd thing about this guy. He was married with three kids, and then later on, um, I found out he. He lost a huge amount of weight um, because he was very overweight. Um, divorced his wife and came out as homosexual. Mm. And uh, yeah, look, I, I, I certainly have no problem with, with those life choices. But um, I was I was working under this guy who had obviously been living this very sort of you know fake life, and mm. you know with the, the wife and the three kids, and I don't know how long he'd been you know punishing himself in a world that you know wasn't suited to him, but. Yeah. Um, working under that guy was, was, was strange. Like it, it, was, it was really important for me because it was the first time I worked for someone that I thought, oh, this, this guy is really, really is an asshole. Mm. But the, the positive about that for me was that um, I, I thought, look, I, I really want to make sure if I ever employ people, you know, I'm, I'm fair you know, and reasonable and support them and give them a, a great working environment. And basically... You know, if they're spending eight hours or more at work a day, you know, I want them to, to walk away, uh, be proud of who they work for, and actually, you know, respecting their employer. Yes. Oh, absolutely, mate. Like, yeah, it's the same, transformational as opposed to transactional. And, uh, you know, um, yep. mate, just to understand, as you do, that, that arseholes are arseholes for a reason, you know. We, we don't yep. sort of know what's yep. going on, uh, you know, within yep. them. Yep. And, uh yeah, obviously, that, that's a prime example of someone that sort of suffered because he wasn't able to live in his true alignment. Yeah, yep, yep, no, for sure. Yep, yep. And, yeah, I mean, it was clear what happened afterwards in his life that, that what he was living before and who he was was obviously, you know, pretty, pretty traumatic for him, you know? Mm, no doubt, no doubt, mate. No, and good on you for, for you know, using that as an experience where you could uh, learn, obviously, as you did. And, um, you know, that's... That's tremendous, and um, you know, obviously, the, the benefits have sort of come from that for everyone that's sort of working with you, and um, you know, and, and are on the journey 
What are you uh, sending out a day now? Is it still 60 or 70 um, satchels or is it more? Oh, no, a lot more. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So on a working day, it's probably more like 1,500 or so. Uh, on Mondays, it's a whole lot more than that. But, um, yeah, yeah, I think it's more like sort of 35,000 a month or so. Jeez, um, so, yeah, and we've got, it's more like 80 staff now. So we're, we're 10 times as big as when we first moved into that facility. And that's, that's something else that we're very, very lucky for because whilst we, we built another shed on the back and I uh, did buy another building, which I work out at a smaller building where 10 of our staff are, uh, 10 to 15 of our staff are, um, the majority of the operation, almost everything still happens at our Grove site. Mm. And to move in there in 2011 with eight, eight staff and be the business now, which we have 80 staff, <laughs> yeah. o- over 10 years later, it, it's pretty cool, you know, being in the same building. Mate, um, <clears throat> pardon me. Uh, so, so you're sending out like 35,000 a month what are the main products? Uh, look, definitely, definitely our proteins, so our, our whey proteins, whey protein isolate, whey protein concentrate. Mm. Um, our plant proteins are now uh, very popular, uh, but we're, we're look at completely different business now in terms of the, the level of sophistication, you know, both in the products. I mean, the, the values remain the same. You know, we're very transparent with what we do. We don't use any necessary ingredients. Um, we're very clear with our marketing message. Uh, very clear with our value proposition, um, but you know the, the refinement of these products in terms of you know the, the way they taste, the, the flavour options, um, the variety of products. You know we've got I think it's over 150 SKUs. Mm. Um, we're we're very big on product development too. You know we're always developing something new, um, a new flavour. We're always offering our customers yes something interesting. I suppose. Mm. Unbelievable, mate. Like. Um I know, I know, I've heard about your earth protein, that's something that I, I need to probably use, but I know myself, we've had the conversation about it, like when I was using those supplements, like I felt really good and, and my fitness um, was, 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 was supported by that, but I went on this raw food journey for quite a few years and, yep. uh, and like basically, um, uh, you know, had some good results, but eventually my body started to kick me up the arse. And uh, yeah, yep, yeah, yep. and um, yeah, I just think we've got to basically, as men, be able to provide some supplementation uh, to support our diets and our lifestyle. And if you've got fitness yep. goals or strength goals or whatever, they if you get the right clean products without the bells yep. and whistles, I think um, you know it's important to to uh, observe that. Yeah, no, for, for sure. And well, I was just saying to you before we started this interview that the. The, the advancement in the plant space is amazing. You know, there's some great plant protein products you can get now. I mean, our earth protein, which is a combination of, like, it's an Australian papa bean, which is great. We use some rice and some pea protein. and It's all 100% naturally sweetened and flavoured. Mm. So, yeah, very, very low sugar. So the macros are great, high protein, but um, it's a really great tasting product that, that is 100% natural. So that's the kind of thing that, if that existed 10 years ago, it would have tasted absolutely foul. Yeah. Uh, whereas, yeah, now now it's a whole lot more palatable and still, you know, um, yeah, very, very good for you. Yeah, that's true. Now, I've tried the, the hemp and all that type of stuff, as I mentioned, and it's sort of, yeah, very bland. But, yeah, to get one that's nice and it, it's not going to give you consequences, uh, I think that's important. Yeah, yep. That's for sure. Mate, um, yep. how can people, like, get hold of you or reach out to you look at, at, to look at the, the business and obviously the products that you make? Oh, look, I mean, if they're wanting to, to look at the products, so jump on bulknutrients.com.au. Uh, 
Um, and then obviously everything can be purchased online there. Um, our, our social media, we're really big with that. Uh, they can they can check out you know, our Facebook page, our Instagram and things, um, you know, see our ambassadors and what we do. Uh, yeah, we're, we're we're very active in the community. You know, we're always supporting a lot of lot of different events and uh, you know community initiatives. Yeah, for sure. No worries. No, no. I'll uh, I'll jump on the uh, Facebook page and have a look too, which is good. Yep. So uh, yeah, mate. Um, how many ambassadors do you have? Well, I think it's about fifty or sixty now. We we certainly have a lot. They're not all on our website. Mm-hmm. Um, and they they're good, but we, we yeah. That's good. And uh, any any names. Look, we, we deliberately haven't gone for any really high-profile people because yeah. our, our thoughts with ambassadors were always that we, we genuinely want these products to make a difference to, to where they're going. You know, we'll, we'll get emails occasionally from, you know, sort of very high-profile people and their managers and, um, you know, there are some people that I have a desire to support, but I generally look at them and go, look, our, our product aren't going to make much of a difference to you. We, yes. we, we can't really be a strategic partner. Um, we, we're not going to be offering you anything that sort of anyone else can't. And, and ultimately, too, a lot of them are just, you know, look, at the, the time of their life and their professional athletes and they're, they're mostly looking for money. So we, we have a, a, lot of, a lot of people who have, you know, started at a lower level and to, have obviously, um, you know, um, sort of grown with us, I suppose. I mean, one of our girls, I'll, I'll mention her, girl Nicole, who works closely with me in product development, um, she's both a staff member and an employee. So about four years ago, she decided to get into cycling mm. after doing a few triathlons at work. And she's the first Tasmanian ever uh, to win the Australian Road Racing Nationals. Really? And now she's over in Europe. So that's, she beat all our amateur, all our pro riders. And now she's over in Europe being offered, you know, pro contracts and absolutely one of the best riders in Australia and, you know, likely to be sort of in the Commonwealth or the Olympic Games. She, she's doing that well. Seriously? Um, but that's, you know, someone that, that or still works with us, but she's an example of, of an ambassador that we would support and, you know, um, help with various things and, you know, costs and products and whatever else. And hopefully we, you know, work with them to, to get to a higher level. So what would uh, she use to, to support her performance? What products? Look, she'd use um, our, so our branch chain amino acids. Um, she'd probably use products like L-glutamine too. Um, she'd use our greens product. So she, she's actually a vegetarian also. Mm-hmm. Um, uses our earth protein a lot. Um, but cycling, yeah, they, they spend hours and hours in the saddle. You know, mm, they're, they're just right. doing, doing huge loads. So it's all about muscle recovery for them. Yeah, absolutely, mate. That's really, there's nothing worse yep. getting up the next morning with a sore ass and stiff legs, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah oh, it's crazy the days I mean she's she's done some races you know there's one that's quite famous and they don't have a women's division it's I think it might be South Australia or maybe Victoria but um, yeah it's like a 230 kilometre race you know, mm, I know. it's, it's like you know that, that's, you're not just riding that in one day but you're racing while you're doing it it's, yeah. yeah it's incredible you're going hard it's not just a, a, a you know a, a joy ride that's for sure so. yeah 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 Mates, um, you need to be proud of yourself for everything that you've done and uh, the best is yet to come. Well, I really believe that, mate. So, you know, just keep doing what you're doing and, um, you know, everything happens for a reason. Um, you know, um, the school didn't go too well for you or I, but um, I guess, uh, you know, as long as we're true to our hearts and what we believe in, then I think um, lots of good can come from that. 
Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I, I guess one of the the benefits of you know living in a place like the West, you know, Australia certainly is that um, just because of that, you know, your opportunities don't don't close off. Mm. You know, there's there's all kinds of avenues for success, and often you know you might be well into your twenties or even thirties and, and take a turn. You know, um, and one one thing I, it's important to point out too is that while I'm, I feel very fortunate to have a business with eighty people and you know great team managers or whatever, um, my uh, like what I consider my success is you know being able to support staff and and seeing a difference in people's lives, and, but also having great work life balance. You know, we're we're very clear when we employ people and we we put out our advertising material that you know when you work here it's a thirty eight hour week. You know, you're not going to be answering the phone after hours or working on weekends, mm. unless you say an events person where it's part of the job. But um, I think that, you know, no matter how big or small the business is, if, if you are if you have a business, you know, and, and you're supporting people and helping to give them a better life and then, you know, them in turn being able to support their families and, you know, not being worked to death, et cetera, that, that's something to be proud of, you know? Oh, absolutely, mate. Just, just what I said before, transformational, you know, and that's really what employers yeah. need to be, you know. Why why just have someone turn up for a paycheck when they're not engaged, you know? Why not create an yeah. environment where they yeah. want to yeah. be there and they actually feel supported? I just think it can help them be a better person and also take that home into their families and into the community. It just makes sense. Yep. <coughs> Pardon me. Mate, so a little bit of let you get back and um, have your dinner and um, off to work tomorrow. So um, it's been a pleasure, Ben. I'm sure we're going to have more chats again down the down the track. So really grateful for you coming on and uh, and having um, your sharing your journey with the listeners here. And uh, I'm sure there's going to be a few people jump on and have a look at your price because I know they're good and uh, they're certainly going to. Um, um, help people if they're in, into fitness or just if they want some, some improvement in their life and their diet, I think can be can be really key. So is it boldnutrients.com.au? That, that's right. And look, um, if you jump on our Facebook page, I think it's through the Facebook page, we've got a link, or maybe on our website too, you can actually request free samples. So yeah. we, we offer free samples for people. You know, you can select a couple of products that you want and we'll, we'll send them out to you. Maybe it's only one free sample, but it's a great way of people trying um, and we're, I guess, we're confident enough in what we sell and, and proud of our brand to sort of, you know, offer that to someone so they can evaluate our product before they have to you know, even pay a cent. Yeah, awesome. Um, so, yeah, if someone's sort of looking at switching brands or, or perhaps looking at taking up these products when they um, haven't had any at all, then that's always a good way to start. For sure, mate. Really generous of you, that's for sure. So, uh, yeah, just... Uh jump on and check them out and get one sent to you. I think, um, yeah, why not? You've got nothing to lose. And uh, I think it would uh, yeah, be a nice uh, a nice addition to someone's diet just to try this sort of stuff. So been a pleasure, mate. Yep. Uh, thank you. Sorry, go ahead. No, no I was just going to say, look, one of our, our really important brand values is value for money. You know, like it's, we, we don't sell expensive products. And, and the idea is that we sell very, very high quality products, but... You know, our protein is sort of like a dollar or a dollar thirty a serve. Mm, so, mm. Um, you know, I, I don't believe in, in encouraging people to have stuff or waste money they don't need. And the idea here is, you know, you, you may have a diet low in protein, you might be an athlete that's, you know, needing some a nutritional boost in certain areas. And mm. you, you're talking about a couple of extra dollars a day uh, to make a decent difference with these products. You know, yeah. they're, they're not going to send people broke, that's for sure, and, and it's especially important in you know, hard economic times, which for is kind sure. of at the moment. Absolutely, yeah. Yep. yeah, cheaper than a coffee and a beer, that's for sure. So, um, yeah, yep. it's a smarter, smarter, smarter move for, for your diet and nutrition, I reckon. So, I'll be 
definitely yep. trying to get some and, uh, and get it into my diet too, mate. So really appreciate it, Ben. And um, yeah, all the, all the best uh, for the rest of the year and moving ahead. There's some, some good things coming your way, I reckon. So well done. No worries. And yeah, look, if you're ever down in Tassie, uh, please get in touch and I'll, I'll give you a tour of the factory again. I think you'd be pretty blown away with how different <laughs> it is these days, you know? So yeah. You, you haven't got yeah. carpet now. Is it still on concrete floor? <laughs> well, we've got plenty of carpet in the offices, that's for sure. But otherwise, we've got painted concrete floors in the, in the correct epoxy and all the ah. all the areas that's needed. But it, it look, you look at it from the outside, it still looks like an old Apple cool store. You come inside, and it looks like a state-of-the-art lab. Incredible, you know, it's When I was last down yep. there, it was freezing. So I reckon you've probably done something about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it would, yeah. Come in some of those. That will work a lot better for you.